Welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of the Mastering College to Career Podcast and where we help you graduate college with your dream job lined up. But before we get on to today's episode of the podcast, I want to share with you guys a training that I created on helping your resume and application beat over 90% of all other applicants. I created this training after almost six years of figuring out a way to making sure that when you submit your resume, that your resume actually gets noticed and it doesn't get deleted by the applicant tracking system. So if you're one of those students that are tired of submitting applications online and never hearing back, you need to check out this 20-minute training that I created. So if you want to learn more about this training, all you got to do is go to my website, masteringcollege2career.com forward slash resume dash training to get access or check out the show notes. And now without further ado, enjoy today's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College to Career Podcast. I have David Mao here with me today. Yep. Did I say it right now? You did. You did okay. good. That was take 39 on his name, and I am so sorry, David. And so right. we gotta get this right. But David is a third degree black belt in interviewing. Yeah. yeah something like true. that. Something like that. And sure. we're gonna make this the best 30 minutes. If you're ever gonna watch one video on interviewing, we're gonna make this beat the video. So Perfect. David, welcome. Thank you so much. Um, he's probably going to ask me to tell you guys who I am. So for some of you that don't know who I am, um, I'm actually the senior director for Westgate Resorts. I'm the head of talent acquisition. Uh, I've been with the company for about, I don't know, it's going over two and a half years now. And it was a department that really didn't exist. And so I went from kind of just from scratch to building a team of, I think I'm close to 26 now on the team. So it's a good sized team. Uh, and I've been in the hiring game for, oh my goodness, probably over 20 years, which I don't makes me sound old. I'm not that old. But I've been in the game for a bit. And so I appreciate you inviting me on. No, I appreciate anytime you ever want to come. I enjoy this. We do good together. Yeah, we do. Like we that, do good together. We just finished filming a podcast where he interviewed me. Yeah, it was good. Woo! It's great content. It's yeah. a lot. If you guys haven't read his book, um, Mastering College Career, Phenomenal book, good content. It's a beautiful starting place, especially for that yeah. student that maybe is getting ready to graduate or hasn't yet graduated. I've gone through it multiple times, had multiple notes, but I really wanted to kind of get into his head and find out who he is and kind of the hows and whys by behind what he's doing. And so if I were to choose anybody to interview me, I wanted David to do it because think about this. Well, know this. David, how many interviews at the peak of the time you were doing interviews were you conducted? So I legitimately came across some of my old notes from my last job and in one year there was 4,106 interviews that I personally did. Now having said that it was done in groups but I was doing groups of four, five, six people at a time but I was doing groups of maybe four or five, I don't know, groups a day is yeah. the best way to say, five days a week for almost two years straight. And so in one of those years I peaked out at 4,106 interviews. How many interviews do you think that between you and your team right now do you guys conduct a year? Oh my goodness. I mean, thousands upon thousands upon thousands for sure. We talk to an enormously, uh, a large, or an enormous amount of people um, because we've got properties all over the country. So I've got a pretty good sized team and, and we're, especially with the call center, we've got a good sized call center here locally. So we are constantly talking to people. And I think for me, and you know this because we've, we've, we've known each other for a bit, my perspective on hiring is a little bit different from a lot of people in my industry. So I just, I see it different, not that I'm smarter, not that I'm, I'm always right with it, but I just have a different approach to the hiring piece. And so I've taught that to my team. So 
we approach our conversations very differently. We ask questions very differently, as you know. Yeah. And we just think differently about about talent. So let me kind of like, I guess, point, explain to you what how this episode is going to look like, right? Understand this: the advice that we're about to give you an interview, interviewing is bit, is generic, right? Is what is industry standards on how interviews are being done. Yeah. David does things a lot of different, uh, very differently, right? Based on him doing thousands of interviews, he's adjusted the approach so that he can get the best out of the people he interviews, right? But we're gonna be talking about what are the main obstacles the college students are facing when they're interviewing for internships and jobs. Yeah. And understand that depending on the inter internship, or depending on the company, depending on the position, Things could vary, but for the most part, what we're telling you is gonna help you get prepared, help you stand out, and help you get the job. Right. A lot of companies do the same thing, so this is gonna be an easy conversation for me to be able to have with you, because I can definitely address their thought process and, and what their fears are, because of people in my role in, in recruiting, a lot of times they're afraid of making the wrong choice. At the end of the day, it all comes down to selection, right? The company is only as good as the people that it picks, as good as the people that it brings into its organization. So they're very hesitant. It's almost that fortress mentality. Like they want to keep you up, but yet they need you, right? So they, they need people, but they're going to make it hard for you to get in. And so your job as a candidate is it make, to make it easy for me to get to yes. That, that's what you want to do. And so today, hopefully, we're going to try to help idiot-proof this process, and I mean that lovingly. But we want to make it easy for you to get that second or third conversation. Yep. And so my job in this interview is to ask the questions that if I most students would want to know, right? So number one thing that I see, and we're going to start through the whole process, right? Number one, we're going to talk about phone interviews or screening interviews. Then we're going to talk about a face-to-face -face interview, talk about how you talk about yourself, how to answer behavioral questions, how, what questions you should ask, how to follow up, and we're gonna put it all together. You ready? Yeah. So, let's talk about screening interviews because students think that they're preparing for an interview and they prepare the same way for an in-person interview as they would for a phone interview. And so maybe can you share with us what are the employers thinking on the when they're in stage one, the screening interview? Yeah. So, that was a good question that you would sent me the other day and I've been thinking a lot about that. So I gotta, I gotta kind of put this in context, right? A lot of times the person doing the phone screen isn't necessarily the person you're gonna be interviewing with, okay? Sometimes the phone screen is about as generic and bland as you can get. It's not what I typically like doing, but it's what a lot of companies do. So what you're gonna need to do is they're asking specific questions that may not be inspiring, but if you do the same approach, whether it's the phone or face-to-face, -face, I always want you to understand and know what the three things that you're looking for, what they are, right? What, what are your must-haves in your next role? I want you to keep that in mind. And the other piece is, you kind of can Google, unfortunately, the questions that you're gonna be asked. I don't want you to get too married to those questions because you're not gonna be able to think, right? Because they may not ask those questions in that particular order. So you've gotta be able to think about you as a, as a human being. What I like people to do is go get quiet. I want you to sit down and think about what you've been doing in your job, especially recently. What are the things that you've been doing that you're good at, things you've been able to contribute to? I want you to think about what you're looking for and why, because that may come out in, in, the, in, the, in the interview. But the other piece is this, the job descriptions, as bland as they may be, there's gonna, there's gonna be clues in there as to what they're looking for, right? Because 
one thing that an employer is looking for, or that you're probably looking for, you're looking for stability, you know you're looking for growth, you know you're looking to make money, well guess what, you're on the same side as the employer because they're looking for stable people. They're looking for people they can count on, they're looking for people that can be grown. They want people that they can grow. And they also want people that can make money for them, right? Yeah. Because what did you say? You said earlier, it's either either you're selling. Yeah, either in a company, right? You either are producing yeah. or you're finding ways to find efficiencies or, or cut costs, right? 100%. That's it. It comes yep. down to it. You're either selling the product or you're servicing that product, right? And, and so at any point, it still has to do with sales. Absolutely. So if you have those thoughts laid out, for yourself. When you have that phone screen, as generic as it may be, you're gonna be able to talk to it. Because at the end of the day, that person on the other end, they don't wanna submit somebody that's a train wreck when they get to the building, right? They don't wanna put somebody in front of the hiring manager that's an absolute mess. So they're gonna be cautious, okay? If you approach it this way, talk about what you've done, and this is even face to face, but even over the phone, you can talk about real, real quickly, you can talk about what you did, how you did it, and why. I think that why is one of the most important pieces that I like to stress because an individual that's able to talk to the why, you separate yourself from the hurt because there's a competency level that I'm going to start noticing in you because clearly you've done some thinking. You've got some critical thinking, maybe you've got some emotional intelligence. So you're going to be able to talk to things that most others aren't or are not when you're talking to the why. And that helps your phone screen because your goal is just to get in front of the human being, that next step. Yeah, and so understand that the goal of the screening is not whether we should offer you a job or not. Correct. It's whether we should move you to the next round. Correct. And understand that the, the person on the other side, they have a job too and they want to do good at their job too. And so it is in their best interest for them to find a good candidate and move them forward because it's a good representation of them. Yeah, 100%. I think actually you did a better job explaining it than I did. That absolutely is the truth. They don't want to look bad. They've got a job to do, and that's to kind of weed people out. Your goal is to help get weeded in, yeah. right? Yeah, so think about it, right? Let's say that you are on the other side and you are interviewing a student. If you know that that student is gonna go to the face-to-face -face interview and do horrible, then your boss is gonna come to you and be like, hey, Daniel, like, what the heck? Why would you move that student? That was a waste of my time. Yeah, yeah that's true, and that does happen. That absolutely does happen. And it's, it's happened to me too. <laughs> Trust me. It's gonna happen, right? But your goal is to give them peace of mind that you won't do that. Right. That you're actually gonna make them look good. Yeah, absolutely. That you're a safe bet. That you are the same person that we talked to over the phone. You're gonna be that same person face to face. Because trust me, there are times that we've gotten somebody that we had a great conversation with over the phone, and you get them face to face, and you're like, listen to me, this, this was not the same person that? I'm telling you. This was not the same person, right? In fact, I think somebody else took the phone call and sent this person instead, you yeah. know, that happens. So before we move on to the face to face, I'm just gonna give you guys a couple of like tips that I, I talk about. Uh, number one, stand up when you're taking the phone call, because the way that you talk when you're standing out, it's more fluid than if you're sitting down. And the second one is smile. Even though it's funny, you're like, well, they can't see my smile, your tonality is different when you're smiling and it, you can actually feel it. So this is weird because he's actually telling his, his students or candidates to be the same thing that I tell the recruiters on our team. When you're phone screening people, get up out of your seat because you go flat monotone, right? Yeah. If any of my team watches this, they'll know exactly who I'm talking about. There's a couple people, one in particular, she knows who she is. So I have her stand up because she kind of goes into banker mode, right? Just kind of flat, monotone, like you're at a teller, you yeah. know? 
I want you to have a little bit of excitement. I, I, I tell them, listen to me, you need a bounce in your voice. Stand up, walk and talk. It yeah. changes your physiology, it changes your tone, it changes the inflection, and it gets you engaged and you come across sounding a lot more intelligent than if you're flat and just blah. Look, and I think this is a good point for you to see this. Like, recruiters or the other side, the companies, are also trying to do the same thing you are. You know, put their best foot forward. Like, it's it's literally a matchmaking game. And it's, it is. It's about seeing if it's a good fit for both. Yeah, it is. It's weird because I was thinking about this last night. It's like you've got two people on opposite sides of the table, and it almost seems like it's opponent versus opponent. But at the same time, look, the recruiter really wants to get the right person in place. The recruiter really wants the person they hire to be happy. Yep. They really do want that. But it's just we have an odd way of going about our interview processes. For me, I'm always thinking, my, my biggest fear is missing talent. If you go to my LinkedIn bio, and I'm not telling my bio, but if you go to my LinkedIn bio, you, you're going to see that I'm more afraid of missing talent than I am hiring wrong. And because I have that philosophy and that mindset, I, I ask questions very differently, and so does the team that, that works with me. A lot of companies, the questions that they're asking you are designed to kind of weed you out, but you have control of that. If you sit and take time, read his book, go through, there's a lot of good content there that's gonna help you understand what you should be thinking about and why, and it's gonna be a natural conversation once you get in front of the right person. I love it. So you did amazing, and now you made it to the final round of interviews, yes. right? Congratulations. Congratulations, you did so good. You did so good. But, um, <laughs> hey, you, they did it. I know they're gonna do it. Yep. All right. So now, how do you get ready for an in-face person, face-to-face uh, -face interview? Is there, I tell students three things they need to research. Let's Go talk ahead. about research, Go right? Uh, the company, yep. right? Which I agree. you guys have no problem going to the company's website. Like I feel like every university in the world teaches that. Oh my goodness, yeah, right? absolutely. The role, like what yeah. is the role you are gonna be doing? Like what does is, what is a, a typical week look like? You need to research that ahead of time. And then the person interview, and I get it. Sometimes you don't know who's interviewing you. That might be out of your control. But if you know, the more you can find out about them, the better. So one of the things that I like to do is I want to know who I'm interviewing with. So the current person that I work for now, uh, she's an interesting lady. Her background is something else. In fact, it was a bit intimidating. So when I when I got when I got the nod that I was going to be interviewing for Westgate. I went to see who I was going to be talking to, and she'd come from Hard Rock International. Like she had, she was a senior executive. Um, she had, a, I think, a hundred. She's going to correct me, but something like 176 locations worldwide because her team was global. Had an office in Orlando, office in London. I'm like, okay, this is going to be a different creature that I'm going to talk to. Like this lady has got some mad experience. I knew what I was talking about when I got in front of her because I watched her job progression. I watched how long she stayed in roles. So I had some things to talk about because I wanted to understand her. I want you guys to do the same thing. You've got all this information on the net at your disposal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the other piece is this. You're talking to a human being that wants to select right. Just like you don't want to make a bad choice, they don't want to make a bad choice. You guys have that in common. The game, for lack of a better term, is how do I show you I'm the right person? And their, their job is how do I know that you're, right, you're the right fit, but also how can I show you that we're the company that you want to work for? Yep. Right? So it's weird. So you've got these two people that seem to be on opposite ends, but you actually have that same goal. You want to hire and pick the right place and the yeah. right person. Make I sense? think that is a, uh, that is a, a some keys that when you're interviewing, and when the interview has turned to the point where they're trying to sell you why the company's the right fit for yes, you, that is how you know oh, your, yeah. your interview is going well. Yeah, you know that's exactly right. So for me, 
the, the main thing that we always ask somebody, whether it's an entry level, and I've said this before, whether it's entry level or whether it's a senior level role, what are the three main things that you're looking for, whether it's here with us or another company? That's literally how I ask that question. I can build an entire interview off that one question. In fact, that's a lot of what I do. That's a lot of what we do. You need to know that. You need to know what's gonna, what's gonna um, give you stability in your role, what you're looking for, what's going to give you that growth, what you're looking for. A lot of times they're gonna ask you about what's the type of manager, supervisor that you're looking for, culture. Stop and take the time and write that out before you ever have a, even the phone screen, before you even get to that point. Kind of get an idea of what it is that you're looking for and the why's behind it. Understand, listen, this is what gives me stability. Here's the other piece. This is what, how I give a company stability. This is how I can help a company grow. This is the kind of growth I'm looking for. Like it's a two-way street. Sometimes street. Sometimes we get a little too focused on what's in it for us, but you gotta think that hiring manager legitimately has a need. You wanna talk about how you can either make the money, save the money, the efficiency piece that Daniel referenced earlier. The other thing is this, I wanna know how long that role's been open. Why? Because I wanna know how much pain they are in, if, if they're in any. Because if that role's been open for a bit and they haven't been able to find the right person and something's missing, I wanna find that out as quickly as I can, yeah. right? Yeah, sense? it makes sense. And I, and I understand that it's like, any, it's gonna be negotiation, right? And so the, whoever has more leverage has- 100%. Right? And so if, to your point, if that role's been open, there's a big pain point, then you have more leverage in, in a way that you're, and when you're negotiating salary and negotiating other things. As a college student, I want you to be careful on this for a second because for the most part, especially if you're applying for a large company where they have management training programs, they're not filling a particular role. You're going into a class, you're That's going a into a point. training program. A they are not in a That's rush a per se right. to hire you to because there is a fire they need to put out. Yeah, I think, and, and to your point, when it's like that, they're looking for somebody that's kind of well-rounded. They're looking for somebody that's, that's this is such a cliche, but it's really true. It's, it's nothing earth-shattering here. They want to find somebody that's, that's well-rounded, that's got some good critical thinking that can be taught more than anything, and I think we've addressed this before, there's got to be humility. That's yeah. one of the key ingredients right now that's missing in a lot of the talent pools. There's a lack of humility. And I think sometimes people come in and they want to show how smart they are, right? Because yeah. they did really, really well in college yeah. and they just, you know, they killed it there. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I think about that, like, you are not being hired because you are the best accountant. You are not being hired because you're the best marketer. You're not. You're being hired because you're a college student that graduated who has potential that could be coachable and multiple to run the business the way they want to be run the business. So I don't want you to go into an interview thinking and expecting that you need to go in there and expect to know all everything there is to know about auditing or everything there is to know about hiring or anything there is to know about marketing. Like you are expected to learn and most companies will retrain you about everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're going to train you. More than anything, I think we like to hire people that are curious and that's something yeah. that I use a lot. I always say stay curious. That's what you need to do in the interview process. Stay curious. Why is that role open? Yep. That's, that, and, and, and getting to your point, that's a great question to ask them. I don't think we need to go with the money yet. I don't think we need to talk about vacations and such like that. I think what you need to be doing is addressing why is this job open? How long has it been open? Is there a pain point that you're solving? Maybe the job is exactly what Daniel said. It's just open and they're just selecting kind of like, it's like in sports. Sometimes they don't have a specific position for the person. They're, they're recruiting an athlete, yep. right? And they want that versatility. Yep. So those are things that you want to keep in mind. The other piece that I would also 
kind of stay curious about is not only how long the role has been open, but what what do they think is going to be difficult for the person coming into the position? Yep. You know, that's that's really important. I want to add something before we jump into okay. what you're saying, because as for college students, these companies have uh, recruitment goals. And a lot of those recruitment goals are based on they want minority and female oh, and all true. that, right? That's that's and true. so if and I know that most of my audience, I, I focus a lot on first generation minority students. Um, understand that if you're a minority, if you're a female, if you're a female in STEM, or if you're a minority female in STEM, you have so much leverage. You have more leverage than I can even describe in this podcast, right? Companies are trying to have their workforce mimic the market they serve. They serve. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. if if you're watching this and you're in Orlando, Florida, there's about 40, 50 percent are Hispanic, right? Yeah. The, PepsiCo would literally go out of their way to try to make sure that as much as possible, without discriminating, hire Hispanic females, right? I had conversations with another senior leader, a tech company um, in Florida. They are dying for female minorities because they have a lot of white male dudes that are holding the roles. Right, right. And so if you're a female minority, you might be able to not be as qualified per se, but if you have like a degree and you have what they're looking for, you're going to have a better chance. So what, this is why I'm telling you this is because sometimes your disadvantages can become your greatest advantages, right? And I want you to research companies and apply for companies that you may may not have thought you had a chance, but now you do. Like for me, when I was a college student, I probably thought I never had a chance for Google, so I never applied. Like, why would they? Why would Google take a first a, a Hispanic student with bad GPA? Like, no chance. Google's average GPA is a 5.0 out of 4, right? right. But if I would have known that Google wanted to increase their diversity and they're lacking Hispanic males, right? I would have had a better shot. No, it's true. I think it's good that you have that kind of information ahead of time. So when you're interviewing, you, you've, you've got that in mind. The other thing is this, if you have that background with what he's addressing, but yet you still come prepared. Oh, oh my goodness. You're, they're going to be they're, They may even want to just go ahead and have that second interview while you're there. Yeah. Honestly. No. Yeah. That I mean, happens a lot too. I am not saying that that is an excuse to have shortcomings. No, I am actually saying be prepared, have a strategy, do everything. Like, Read the book, join the academy, like get ready because if you're doing that and you're a minority and you're a female, like not only will you get the job, but you get promoted faster. Yeah, absolutely. I think what Dan and I are trying to tell you is this, if you come and prepare to talk to, uh, to the hiring manager about yourself, you understand, you know, they always ask that crazy question, which I absolutely hate with your strengths and weaknesses. Really what they're asking you, and this is how I ask it, is what are you good at and what do you want to get better with? That's a better way to phrase it. That's how we phrase it. Mm-hmm. But if you think about those things, the questions really aren't that hard, especially if you're very authentic. Because yeah. a lot of times those types of questions and what they're going to be asking you, even on sometimes on the pre-screen, they just want to know what type of self-awareness you actually have. Because let me tell you something, you get somebody in that's not self-aware, they're the worst to manage. And that's one thing we are constantly looking at is how self-aware is this individual? Especially if you're going into a management or management or supervisory role, you impact a lot of human beings. And if you're difficult to kind of to kind of manage and guide, oh my goodness, the impact you're gonna have on the people that are underneath you, it's gonna be tremendous for all the wrong reasons. How do you answer that question then? You what's know what's that? gonna happen. Tell me what are your strengths and weaknesses? 
well, some of the things that I want to work on, I'm actually good at them now, but I want to get better with is blah, 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 right? And some of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm good at and, and that I've noticed is this, this, and this. And tell them why. How did, you, how did you become aware that you needed to get better with it? Well, you know, I got feedback from my peers. I got feedback from my, from my, um, my immediate employer. Or you know what, I just noticed that I was struggling with this and I wasn't sure why. Some other people were better at it and I kind of needed to get it figured out. So I kind of humbled myself and decided, look, I need help. That's not a bad answer. That's yeah, a real answer. That's a real answer. And the goal of that question is what? To see if you're self-aware? 100%. That's the goal. Like, that really is. The, that really is. And, and it's not a bad thing to talk about what you're good at. It's funny because I get people struggling with both. I'll ask them, so what are you good at? And they just kind of look I'm like, literally, I want you to brag a little bit. When it comes to work, what are you good at? And I like it. It's fun to get them talking about that because I genuinely want to know what they're good at. And the other piece is this. I know they're going to be bad at some things. And, and the problem is some companies use that as, as a knockout question, which is absolutely ridiculous. It's dumb because everyone's got something they need to work on. More than anything, a lot of times to, to Daniel's point, they just want to see, are you aware, right? That's, that's the key. Um, and so after that, if behavioral questions, what's your advice in answering behavioral questions? Well, you know how much I love behavioral questions, Daniel, because he knows I don't like them. We don't use them. Uh, we do talk about behavior, but you get a lot of people that, that still will use the tell me about a times or the star method and such. That's fine. You can Google and you're gonna be tempted to do it. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is if you get locked into a series of questions that you think you're gonna be asking and then they don't ask them, now you don't know how to talk about anything. Yeah. Again, it goes back to me telling you, I need you to go get quiet. I need you to think about literally what you're good at and why. In an interview, what I'm doing is I'm getting you to talk about what you've done, how you've done it, and I wanna know why. Why you chose A versus B. When you can start getting into the whys around your choices, it shows me a level of competency that others may not have. So even with behavioral-based interviewing, even with the STARS method or whatever method that's out there that I don't know about, when you can start talking to your, about yourself in a very clear, precise way, right? And you can talk about the hows and whys very cleanly and clearly, you're making it very easy for them to get to yes to move you on into the next position, right? And while this is happening, you need to be thinking about, is this role, are these people, is this environment the type of place that I could commit to? Yeah, so why do companies ask behavioral questions? What is their goal by asking those questions? So a lot of times people think past behavior can, can predict a, a future outcome. And sometimes there's some truth to that, but it's kind of on a flawed premise in my personal opinion. Um, if you look in school, like uh, me as a student, when I was in high school versus me going to college later in life, two different things. But if you base my past behavior in college or high school, you would never want me in college, right? Because I was a mess yeah. in high school. Like I was suspended, I was asked to leave, like it was not a good show. So I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. I think people can have issues in life or they can struggle in life, but they can get things turned around and they can do well, right? But companies, a lot of times, they want to know what your behaviors are like because they think if I know what your, your current or past behavior is, I can kind of predict the future with you. For me, I just want to know your thoughts and opinions because if I know your belief system, this is how it really works, I'm telling you. If I know your belief system, I'm going to get a good chance of predicting what you're going to do in the future, for sure. So you answered that correctly and then the interviewer goes and says, do you have any questions for me? So I kind of got it premature earlier, but it's going to go back to this question. You've got to understand why that role's open. If that hiring manager's in pain, they're gonna be very motivated to fill that role, right? Yep. They're gonna to wanna to get after it quickly. But if it's been open forever today, they've been delegating out the work to other people and they're not really suffering that much, 
as much as you may like the role, as much as the conversation may have gone to your liking, I don't know how motivated are they to actually fill it, right? You need to ascertain that. I would absolutely encourage you to ask what's going to be difficult about this position if I were to get in, in it or anyone else. What's going to be difficult? And, and, and have them tell you yeah. because there is going to be some difficulty for sure. And they're going to tell you, right? We talked about oh, this a lot. They're going to tell you because it is in their best interest to really lay it out in front of you yep. and tell you what, yep. what do most people struggle in when they get into this role. Because what they don't want is offer you the job, you come in, don't realize that that's what's going to happen, and then you leave within three to six months. That's not good for the company. No, it's not good for the company. Here's the thing: it's not going to be good for you. Yeah. Because you gotta, you gotta explain what happened to that three six month time frame. Every right? time you apply for a future job, they're going to be like, "Why were you only there for that yeah, amount of time?" It's a red flag. Yeah, it is. And, and, and I was joking with Daniel earlier. We talk about like the Bachelor, Bachelorette. Not something that I watch. Not against it. I watch it. That's okay. Right. That's okay. Yeah, what if I watch it? I we don't have live TV, so we're gonna watch the replays. So. That's fair. There's nothing wrong with that. I have a pretty good sized team. There's a, there's there's a, a, a few ladies on the team that are dialed into it. But the main thing is this: everyone's going after the rose, but the problem is they don't really want the person. They just want the rose. It's kind of the job search. I yeah, just, I just want a job. Then I get that job. I really don't want that job. Yeah. So don't be the bachelor or bachelorette yeah. job. I agree. Know where you're going, right? One hundred percent. Know what you're going. Know what you're trying to get yourself into. Hiring managers are honestly—they're going to tell you what's up more times than not. They're yeah. going to be honest with you. It's in their best interest. It's in their team's best interest. That is why I encourage you to finish out your last question to be: Is there any particular reason why? you think I might not be a good fit for this role. And what that question allows you to do is that allows the interviewer, if there is an objection why they're not moving you yeah. forward to the next role or not get the job, I would hope they would share it with you. And sometimes they won't, and sometimes they will just say, hey, we're still interviewing other candidates, we'll let you know, and that's fine. But a lot of times they will actually say, if there is a doubt, they'll actually say, well, Daniel, you did great, but I'm hesitant because I don't know if you have enough X. Right. That gives you that one opportunity to overcome that objection because the interview is a sales call and you're selling yourself to them and they're selling themselves to you and that might be an objection you can save and I got because there are so many times that I have students that don't ask that question, call me, say I had the best interview ever, they like me, I like them, I should hear back in about a week, crickets, yeah. you never hear back yeah. because the interviewers just did a really good job of making them feel comfortable. Yeah. But we're really honest about the feedback. Yeah. So he, here's what literally happens when when you leave the room, right? You got multiple people sometimes in in the interview with you. As soon as that door closes, they're going to start looking at each other, waiting for somebody to speak, and then somebody's eventually going to say, you know, well, what do you think? Well, you know, I liked him, I liked her, but you know, I kind of had some questions around this. When they answered this, they didn't answer it like all the way through, or they seemed to hesitate. I'm not really convinced that they meant what they said when they said this, and it just goes around and around and around. And typically, me, I'm the one that's saying, hey, time out. You should have said all this when they were here so they have the opportunity to actually answer the question because now that they walked out the door, we're not gonna know. So then what generally happens is the person doesn't get called back. Right, and so when you ask that question, you give them a chance to tell you, what you did really well, what you didn't, and so that you're no longer waiting a week later to find out that you didn't get the job, and you kind of kind of walk away from the interview knowing kind of where you stand. Right. And if you were like, well, I really messed up, I don't think I got this job, well, now you can focus your efforts on the next company that you really want to work for. And sometimes we'll even ask you, like, how do you think you did? 
and it's funny, I've had a few people like, man, I really think I blew it. And I'll, that always intrigues me. I'm like, so why do you think you blew it? Well, you asked this and I said this, well, what did you really mean then? Yeah. And we get kind of a chance to give them a redo, which I'm all for, right? Because again, my, my motivation is not missing talent. So take the opportunity to actually do what Daniel just told you to do. Like, ask them, yeah. it's okay. And sometimes to this point, they might give you the safe answer, like, hey, you did fine. Um, no red flags. We're, we're still talking to other people. That's it. Yeah. You know, the generic answer. But at least you gave yourself that yeah. opportunity. And so now after that, you walk away. And now this is where it's really important too. It's the follow-up, right? Yeah. Um, my advice on follow-up is to send an email in the first three hours. Just send an email. They might be interviewing other people, but when they get to their desk, they'll see your email. Yep. I like that. Um, and I then like that. the second thing I say is uh, on top of the email, you either write a hand thank you card and you mail it. If you don't know the address, then you could deliberate where you interviewed or you can Google the address um, as well. But I think that thank you card is really important. You need the email because you want them to know that you followed up. Because that thank you card, if you mail them, might come back a week later. Yeah, here's what's interesting. I um, was talking to somebody that I work with and they were talking about somebody that they knew that went on an interview and it was brought up that this person that they know didn't follow up with an email and they were at a fairly senior level role uh, and it just, that still means something. The yep. follow up still means something and their person didn't get the job and one of the things that bothered that whole group of people is the fact that there was no follow up from them and just FYI, this was a very tenured person that was more than capable for the role and I think they actually were interested but then the lack of follow-up, it just kind of threw them. It speaks volumes. It's not about the follow-up. Yeah. It's like if you don't yeah. follow up with me, will you follow up with your clients? Yeah. Or would you follow up with your team? Right? Like right. It just speaks volumes yep. about it. It's, it. it's a speaking point. And one thing I suggest you do on your follow-up, not just say, hey, thank you for your time, but maybe reiterate maybe your top two points why you think you're a good fit. Absolutely. The conversation can be long, it can be lengthy, you can kind of bounce around, you can cover a lot of topics. Again, you're talking to another human being that has a fear of selecting wrong. Our goal is to make it easy on somebody like me to get to yes. And the other piece is this, please pay attention to, in making sure that this role is something that you wanna get involved with. If you're not sure, that's because you didn't ask enough questions at the end and that's yeah. on you. Yeah, so guys, if you have any more questions about this, I know this is really important. On top of having your resume to get the interview, the interview is probably the second biggest concern the students have. You feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Feel free to feel, please do. Yeah, reach out to David. Please like, do. He wants to hear please from you, do. so it's not a burden. Ever, I get people that reach out. I literally respond. I give them my phone yeah. number. I do meet people. I talk to people. We have real conversations for sure. Yes. So don't feel like. And I'm just gonna before we close it out, I'm gonna give you guys a little bonus conversation. It's about when should you talk about salary and benefits. I think once you get the call knowing that they're interested, for sure, that's your opportunity. Now, I recently, we had an offer go out to a, a gentleman for a certain role, and he actually, um, you know, I, I know this person very well, and there was a counter, and it kind of threw everybody, because we'd offered him the max, right? And we got a little nervous, because like, well, if we don't give them that, because we're at the max, are we gonna be able to, you know, are they gonna take the job or not? If you think, I mean, if you think that you're worth, you know, one or two thousand more or three thousand more, depending on if it's entry level, mid level, or if you're more senior level, but be smart. Like it's not, there's not a problem encountering, but do it once you get the offer. Yeah. Don't, don't address vacation time and all that stuff during the, 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 the meat of the interview. 
let that go. Once you get the offer, now we can talk. But again, it's okay to be confident and it's okay. I don't want you to be underpaid either. But don't overvalue yourself to where you knock yourself out of position. But then again, don't don't come in too low either. Yeah, and, and there'll be a future podcast. I'm actually bringing in a guest. Her name is Olivia. I can talk to that. That is a master at negotiation, and especially for women. I did want to bring a woman to talk about that because generally women yeah, oh, for sure. don't talk about for sure. But here's my advice to you. Number one, do your research, right? Um, understand through Glassdoor, whatever it is, understand the ranges. So most positions have something that's called ranges. When he was talking about the max, He's talking about the max level max, of the yeah, range. Yeah. So students don't re- realize that uh, based on the position and the way that companies have set the position level, yeah. there is ranges. And that range could be tens or $10,000 or it could be $20,000. It really depends, you know, the, that, the range. So yeah. know that, right? And then my advice to you is to whenever you're talking, if, if they were to ask you about salary during the interview, never corner yourself to a number and reply with a, a range. Oh, if they say, hey, what are you looking to make? I would say, I'm looking to do your research and then I would reply back the range. I'm looking to make 40 to $50,000. Right, I think a good place to go now and use it as a company is salary.com and it's gonna give you a lot of good information on the various roles, yeah. especially in the region that you're in or the area that you're in, absolutely. Companies tend to offer the, from low to mid. Yeah. Rarely do they ever offer from mid to high. They want you to grow into it, right? That's right. the reason why. Right. right, And unfortunately, the dirty secret is, a lot of companies have brought so many people in too low, the internal equity, that they don't want to yep. skew that because, you know what I mean? They, they don't want to hire a brand new person who's making more than everybody else in the, right. in the, in the job. And that's, that's what that, happens. And if the other people find out, it, it destroys the company yeah, culture yeah. and it just becomes toxic. Yeah, it creates dissension for yeah. sure. So but, that, I, that's it. Yeah, that's, I think that's great. Guys, thank you so much. I'm David Mao taking over this last segment of Mastering I love it. You can tell college to career. Tell but thank you so much for having me on again. I really appreciate you. You're the man. Thanks guys, guys appreciate thank you. you. Bye. Bye.